So the last Sunday in 2019, the last Sunday in the year, the last Sunday in the decade, are you guys excited? You have big New, year, New Year's plans? No? Okay, cool. Everybody's like, I'm still crying. Well, uh, let me just get started here, and, and this is sort of not going to be connected really to any series, but I felt like uh, today that we ought to cover something something a little bit different. And, and so many of you will know I make my living as a pilot. You guys know that. If you don't, that's news. Um, that's what I do for a living. I, do, I don't get paid by the church. And there's lots of times in my, uh, in my job where I will fly people someplace to sit all day while they do their business and work. I sit at the airport all day, and then when they come back, I bring them home. And this happens quite a bit. So, uh, but when we do that, we sit at the airport, and the highlight of the day is where are we going for lunch? This is like, this is, I mean, come on. I didn't get this way by accident. Um, and, and so most airports have like cars, they call them crew cars, for, for pilots who are sitting all day to, to borrow to go get lunch. So we don't have to rent a car, we just borrow the car and we go get lunch. Well, one day I was sitting uh, with, with another pilot in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we were there all day and we decided, we came to an agreement that we were going to go to Bob Evans for lunch. And I like Bob Evans. There's some things I like there. So we went, we got the, the crew car, and, and they handed me the, the keys. And you guys have these? Some of you probably have them. There's a key that doesn't actually have a key in it. It's like just a sensor, right? Have you seen these new cars that have, all you got to do is have the key thing inside the car, and then there's a push button to start. On top of this, this car was pretty cool. It was a hybrid car. Any of you have hybrid cars? You, you notice that like in a hybrid car, like you don't hear the engine. So long as there's enough battery power, the engine doesn't come on. So I was like, I got in this car and I pushed the button and I was like, wow, is it on? I don't know if this thing is on. So I go and of course, you know, once the battery power goes down, the engine kicks in and, and makes up the difference. Well, so we drive all the way uh, to Bob Evans and we park right out in front of Bob Evans, and get out and, and go in, and we have our, have our meal and sitting there talking, and we were there probably for an hour, and, and, and we get ready to go, and I'm like, Where, what happened to the key? I lost the key. I can't find the key. And so I'm looking around the booth that we were sitting in, and I'm walking around. I'm like, I didn't go to the bathroom, but so it's not in the bathroom, but maybe it's on the floor, and we're looking, and I'm like, I've turned the place upside down. I'm like, I don't know what I did with this key. I was like, well, maybe I dropped it between the building and the car. So I walk out of the restaurant, and I walk up to the car, and it's on. The engine is running, and I was like, uh, open the door. The key is sitting in the middle. The engine has been running for an hour with the keys in the car. The only thing I can figure, the only thing I can attribute that to is, it must have, I got to the stop, the engine turned off because the battery was good, we were probably talking, I left this car on for an hour with the keys in it, in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, 
you know, sometimes your brain just sort of doesn't kick in, right? Like you, you just don't realize. And sometimes memory fails us. Like I always take my keys out. Of course, I have keys that you actually have to put in the car. Sometimes memory fails us, right? I think if we think about our relationship with God, sometimes our memory fails us, doesn't it? Like those of you who have times that you, that you set aside to spend with God and something happens, like something like Christmas break, and you go away, and your habit and your routine, whatever you have, it just sort of like gets interrupted, and memory fails us. We forget to engage in this time. Don't, am I the only one that does that? You go away, or any, there's something interrupts your, your routine, and you never quite get back to it. Sometimes memory fails us. Sometimes we don't remember things. And yet, page after page after page in the Scriptures says, remember, remember. I think we all probably have times in our, our lives where we're like less excited to worship God, right? Like you come in and you're sort of like, oh, come on, music again. <sighs> I, and that guy can't even play the bass. I was playing the bass in case you missed it. <laughs> That guy, anyway, whew, too many Christmas cookies, I guess. Um, but like we come in and we're just sort of like, you know, I'm just not into it. Have you ever been that way? Like you, you're just like, I'm not quite into it. And so, you know, I've been there by myself and Jerry and I were talking to my parents at Christmas and the subject of burnout in ministry came up. And Jerry said to my parents, I think Derek's been burned out three times in the church, this the life of this church. And I thought about it, and I was like, really? I wouldn't say, I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but I, I, I can tell you that in the life of this church, nearly six years in, there have been a number of times where I'm just sort of teetering on the edge of empty to over the edge. Can you relate? Have you been there when it comes to your relationship with God where you're just like, I just don't feel close. I'm just not that excited about what God is doing. I'm just not excited... And I think at every low point in my journey, the way back to life for me and vitality was to remember the works of God in my life. To remember. To remember. If you've ever found yourself in a spot where you felt far from God, if you've ever found it difficult to worship God, if you've ever been in a place where you were struggling to continue to live the Christian life, the answer is not to try harder or put on a happy face and fake it till you make it and let's just hope that I can pretend until my body catches up. We don't have to ignore our present reality. I know there's a lot of church traditions that say, I know that things are not good, but just put on a happy face. Don't you think you're, I mean, I know this. You just got to pretend, like, right? Be happy. And then, you know, things will work out for you. You don't have to ignore your present reality. The answer is to routinely remember the works of God in your life. And here's what happens when you do this. If you choose to do this, it makes your worship more authentic. It makes it more engaged and more expressive. You can worship from a place of, I'm not all the way here, God, and yet I remember. 
I can be authentic in worship. I don't have to try to like hype something up and pretend like things are great and let's make a lot of noise and hope that we can. I don't have to do that. I can be authentic in my worship. It makes gratitude possible. If you remember the works of God in your life, it's what makes gratitude possible because as soon as you remember what God has done in your life, it automatically goes, but I don't want to be grateful. I want to thank somebody. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't, you're like here and you're like, I don't buy into all this stuff, there's something about things that, are, that happen in your life that, that are good, that, that God has worked in your life, and maybe you would disagree about whether God did that or not, but causes you to want to be thankful. It makes gratitude possible. The next thing that happens is it's a record of the living relationship you have with God. Remembering what God has done in your life serves as the record of the living relationship you have. And the other thing is it's what trust is built on, and it's what gives you faith for the future. Like, we don't want to talk about, and we're going to talk about 2020 in the next few years, right? Side note, it would be worth, this has nothing to do with this. Fast forward three weeks. I just want to put this on your radar. Beginning the third Sunday in January, we're going to be doing a series called God, I Have a Question. And we've compiled a list of six questions that we're going to answer, some, some tough questions like, God, why is there suffering in the world? Um, how should a Christian relate to gay people? Like some heavy hitter questions, right? These are questions that people are asking. And we want to just answer them honestly. And so what I want you to consider is who, who you would be interested in bringing, like who you would like say, hey, you should hear this. I want you to begin to think about people that would, would like have these questions as you're running into people and talking to them. But anyway, so we're going to talk about 2020. Just wanted to put that on your radar. We're going to talk about 2020 in the next couple of weeks. But in order to have faith that God's going to do something in the future, we have to remember what God has done. We're going to look at this practice of remembering today. Would you turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 111? If you take your Bible and flop it right about to the middle, you'll be in Psalm. And then if you can count to 111, you can find it. Psalm 111. And here's what we read. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart. There's a million dollar word, extol. In the counsel of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained the, his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Now, this passage comes right out of the songbook of the Israelite community. The Psalms are the songbook 
of the Israelite community. And there's three things that I want to show you in this passage of Scripture. They all build on one another for how we can remember and what remembering God's works in our lives will do. The first thing that I want to point out to you is the psalmist invites Israel to remember the works of God. It's pretty crazy. Like, you guys have seen these songs, right? It's like, like telling your soul to sing, right? And telling your body to sing. Like, somebody actually has to remind you to remember the works of God. This song, every time it would have been sung, would, would prompt people to remember what God has done. And here's, look at verses 2 to 4. It says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Every time the Israelites would sing this song, it's a call to their soul to remember what God has done. For Israel, this includes every encounter with God. Like, we're not just talking about what has God done in your life this week, although that might be included. But for Israel, this is the big story. This is the story of what makes them the people that they are. It's the whole story of the Old Testament. It's the story of how God called Abraham to a land that he would show him that he had never been to. It's a story about how God made a covenant with Abraham to make a nation out of his descendants. It's a story of how God freed them from captivity in Egypt. It's the story of how God opened the sea so they could cross dry land. It's the story of how King David brought peace to Israel within the promised land. It's the whole story. Remember. Now, certainly it included things more recently as well. Probably like, hey, you know, I lost my wallet and I found it. Or, you know... Any number of things, like, hey, I had a really good week at work this week. This is why we here try to teach you to tell your Jesus story. We have a class to do that that we run periodically. Because to be able to recount to someone else the works of God in your life, I'm talking about the whole story, about how you became a follower of Jesus. Not only is it an evangelistic thing, it is. People get to hear your story about how you came to know Jesus. So it's good for them, but it's good for you to verbalize the works of God in your life. We try to teach everyone how to do that. So we remember the works of God. The second thing that I want to show you is in remembering the works of God, we discover the character of God. Look at verse 3. I've underlined a whole bunch of things. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He's caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hand are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and acted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Do you see all those places where the Israelite people understood the character of God? And they did so because they remembered the things God had done. And in God's acting in your life, you will understand the character of God. One of the things that happens over and over and over 
throughout Israelite history is they understand the character of God because they have these crazy power encounters, right? You guys, like the whole opening the sea to walk on dry land. I mean, if that doesn't tell you what kind of God God is, what else does? The character of God is, is revealed in how he shows up time after time. In this passage, it says he's righteous, he's gracious, he's compassionate, he provides, he remembers, he's powerful, he's faithful, he's just, he's trustworthy, he redeems, he covenants with his people. And here's the key. You understand the character of God as you journey with God. We in America, we read this book and we say, oh yeah, it says that God is this way. It says that God is this kind of a God. It says He's faithful. It says He's just. Do you know you don't believe it until He does it for you? Until you could stand on it on your own life? It says He's, he's, he's it says that He provides. Do you know that you don't know that until, thank you, until He has provided for you? Until you have been in a situation where if God doesn't come through, we're in real trouble. You don't know God as provider until he's done it for you. You don't God know God as faithful until he's been faithful to you. There's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God's character. Jerry and I were having this conversation recently, and she was talking about how Christians could live their whole lives do church things, go to church, you know, serve and, and do Christian things without ever knowing the character of God. We had this conversation and we see it all over the place. But as I thought about it, I realized just how common that is in American Christianity. Do you realize how common it is for people to show up to church week in and week out and yet never take this and put it into their real life where they have to risk themselves? on God, where you have to actually put all your chips down. So much of what we understand about the character of God comes from reading it, but it doesn't come from living into it. If you never allow yourself to be in a place where God has to come through, it'll be really hard to have a real history with God. It'll be really hard. And then it'd be really hard to understand his character as well. So we remember the works of God, which reveals the character of God. And the third thing I want to show you is that as, we as God's character is revealed, we understand his character and we can wholeheartedly worship God. Look at verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Extol is a word you use regularly, right? I can't tell you the last time I saw extol on Facebook. It's not in common vernacular. But it means to praise enthusiastically. If you understand that, that's a, I mean, that's a million-dollar word, isn't it? To praise enthusiastically. It's not coming and singing the song that's on the screen and kind of coffee in one hand and hand in the other pocket and checking your phone and this is like praising enthusiastically that there's something about understanding the character of God, remembering the works of God, understanding the character of God that allows you to, with all your heart, that's what it says. It says, with all my heart, wholeheartedly, not divided, completely, to worship completely, to extol, praise enthusiastically. 
We're not talking about putting it on. We're talking about understanding the nature and the character of God in such a way that what naturally comes out of you is enthusiastic praise. Look at verse 10. It says, just at the end, it says, To him belongs eternal praise. That the inevitable byproduct, if you just look back, if we just remember the inevitable byproduct, if we look back and remember the works of God in our life, is enthusiastic praise. Have you thought about that? Like, what does how you worship God tell you about your relationship with God? I mean, think about it. I mean, this is not a shame event. I'm not trying to, like, shame you. I'm just inviting you to consider. What does how you worship God say about your relationship with God? It would be worth considering. So we remember the works of God. Revealing the character of God, enabling us to worship God wholeheartedly. So what does that mean for us? Let's break this all the way down. How do we apply this as we close 2019? And we think about getting ready to go into 2020. Remembering is a discipline. There's a fun word. Remembering is a discipline. It's something you have to choose to do. Most of us are not really good at naturally looking back and going, God, where have you been active in my life? Where have you been at work? Right? This is something we have to choose. We need to develop a routine. It has to be something we practice until it becomes a habit. Now, there's some natural rhythms built into the life of the church that will help you do that. Most of you are not, maybe not even aware that this is the case. And I, before, well, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll get back to it. One, one of those rhythms is what you're doing right now, the Sunday morning worship gathering. Do you know we do this every week? With stunning regularity. I mean, just about every seven days, we get together and we do this. And we intentionally make space every week to do this. Some people have been like, why do we do this every week? Do you know why we do this every week? Let me tell you why we do this every week. Because this is our collective story. Every week we want to remember that we exist as followers of Jesus, that this body exists because of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. This is our collective story. This is the thing that makes us who we are. It's like Israel saying, we are people of the covenant of Abraham. Every week we get together and we break bread and we drink together to remember who we are. We do this on purpose. Like people have been like, why don't we do this like once a month? It'd be maybe more special if we did it quarterly or whatever. I want you every week to have the opportunity to remember who you are. We do this every week. The musical worship, we give you an opportunity every week to praise enthusiastically. This is done on purpose. (laughs) We didn't just sort of go, hey, it'd be really cool if we played about four songs, you know. Got to put the Holy Spirit pad on behind it. So that, you know, fog machine, you know, everybody knows how I feel about fog machines. If you don't ask me later. 
We do this on purpose so that you remember every week. And here's where I feel like I have to repent and ask forgiveness. I feel like I have been the kind of leader in this church who has said, Sunday's not important. It's really not all that important. What is really important is what you do the rest of the week. And it is true that what you do the rest of the week is really important, but it's only because it's more important than what we do here. There's not a less importance of what we're doing on Sunday. It's ever been as important as it's always been, but the rest of your week is more important. Does that make sense? And so I have to confess to you, I have had a a cynical view of what we do here on Sunday. And over the past couple weeks and months, I really feel like God has convicted me of that and that I'm having a change of heart as to what it is that we do here on Sunday and how critical what we do here on Sunday morning is. And so I would like to ask you, you to forgive me for having a cynical view of what we do on Sunday morning. I think it's critical. I think it's super important what we do. But what we do the rest of the week is more important than we ever thought it was, too. Another rhythm uh, of remembering exists within the structure of the church life that you can engage. How many of you know what the church calendar is? I'm not talking about the thing on our website. Are you familiar with the church calendar? Like we just started the church year. Advent begins the first part of the church calendar and then Christmas. And what comes after Christmas? Epiphany. Shortly after Epiphany, we fall into Lent. Joe Lent. (laughs) That has weird connotations. Um, And then Good Friday and Easter. And then after Easter, we end up in Pentecost. We remember that the Holy Spirit has come, that we are people of the Holy Spirit. And after we get past that, there's this really long, no, it's not really on the church calendar. There's this really long section called ordinary time. This happens every 12 months. You don't even know that it happens. You probably are oblivious to the fact that we just did an Advent series. It's on purpose. It's to make you remember the story that you belong to. All this stuff is on purpose. You can engage as much as you like in the church calendar cycle. It will help you to remember. Each of your small groups, if you're a part of a vineyard small group, each of your small groups also uh, has a a routine and a rhythm that, that sounds a little bit something like this. What's your name and something good that happened this week? Right? For all three of my wife's small groups, you know that line. What's your name? But this is us trying to develop a habit in you of saying, let me look back at where God has been active in my life. And maybe it was just that I got a free taco when I went through at Taco Bell. But you're, you're thinking about what, have I, what has God done? What, what has been good about my life in the past week? This is a habit we're trying to generate and cultivate in you. Beyond this, you'll have to create your own rhythms. And there's two things, and I'll wrap up with this. There's two things that I would like for you to consider by way of remembering. The first thing is this is we periodically tell people, we run, run this class of how to share your Jesus story, and I talked about why, why we do that. But a really good rhythm to get into would be to say, you know what, I'm going to try to share my story with someone three times a week, 
five times a week. You, you, you and God sort that out, whatever that rhythm would be. And it's not like a legalistic thing. It's like, hey, I want people to know what God has done in my life, but I want to recount what God has done in my life. This is a way of remembering. I think if, if we ever get off, off track with the idea of evangelism, of sharing what God has done in our lives, it'll be the end of the church. If we ever stop talking about what God has done, which is really all evangelism is, right? It's like telling the good news of what God has done in your life. Second thing, is, and I know some of you in this room are, are trying this out, and I applaud you for this, is a, is a spiritual rhythm called the prayer of examine. How many of you have heard of that? Yeah, maybe quarter of the room, three, third of the room. The prayer of examine, and here, let me tell you how it works. What you do is you get to a place where you can, you can find some quiet space, and you calm yourself, and you invite the Holy Spirit to come. And then you ask the Holy Spirit to walk you through your day, and point out where he was active in your life. Point out places where you were active and I didn't notice. Point out places where you were active and I participated. And this is not a guilt or shame thing. What we're trying to do is teach you how to see the activity of God in your life. And for those of you who are doing it, what should happen is that you begin to well up with praise. You're so grateful that God is active in your life. He'll do it. He will show you those places, and you just press in. This is an opportunity for you. You can do this every once a day. You can do this at lunch and before you go to bed. But it's an opportunity for you just to be quiet before the Lord and ask him to show you where he's been active in your life. Listen, if we're not remembering, really our, our Christian life is going to dry up, and we're going to find ourselves really kind of brittle and burned out. That's been true in my life every step of the way. Every time where I really just feel like I'm dry and out, what I realize is that I have not been remembering what God has been up to.